Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of the Bash Bros Podcast. My name is Brad Nelson and today I'm joined by my best friend Brian Brown doing. How's it going, BBD? It is going uh, great. Not used to being Good. this role. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, yeah. You, are a, you are the host with the most. Yeah. Well, that's debatable, but I am definitely a host, so... That is right, yeah. yeah. Cor- Corey had family in town, and so do I, so Corey took this week off, and then we'll be back revving better than ever next week, I promise. Uh, I've got my stuff, well, most of it, and we'll tell that story later. Uh, I still have to write it all out, and, you know, it's not finished yet, and I'm also debating if the story is a is an actual story or just a cautionary tale, because if it's just a story with a bad ending, it's not it's not good, right? So I've got I've got a meeting with a lawyer tomorrow and we're still figuring everything out. But but the good news is I've got 95 percent of the things that go in my office. Yeah, that is good. Like, honestly, from how it was playing out, I think it ended better than it could have, like better than For expected. Sure. Like you got some of your stuff back, you know, versus zero of your stuff. And it's only mildly damaged only mildly damaged instead of severely damaged and only mildly rifled through and stolen from instead of severely. I mean, I don't know that your mileage could vary on that. They might've taken or on how much was stolen and stuff, but yeah, it's like I, from how it was going, I was worried that you just weren't going to ever get your stuff at all. So yes, I I did too. I I was very scared of that. So we got most of it, which means I even have a better office than before because we can't, we, our, my old desk Amber used, but we don't have a place for it. Um, and my office is just big enough for everything I need plus a second desk. So now my my office is just two desks. You know, I have this desk where some of the, like my equipment goes and I'm going to put my printer on it and I'll have a space to do magic stuff in here. Like pretty much all of my cards and stuff. So it's 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 pretty sweet. I, I, I like my office now a lot. That's dope. It, it went. Yeah, it went from having a Walmart table to two really really nice desks so you're I'm up to like happy. you have like a target desk or like a you know like a tj max kind of level stuff now yeah we just had to keep <laughs> scaling up yeah, yeah just evolving and leveling up yeah <laughs> but yeah and then and then and then i'm gonna get back to magic starting this weekend um i've got a lot of catch-up work to do tomorrow my family goes home tomorrow and i have a bunch of catch-up work to do and then after that i'm back to playing magic and and working all the time which i'm i'm excited Melee. My my partners with melee, I've just had to be peace out for two weeks, so <laughs> they understand. But I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do nothing. I, I don't have any bandwidth for anything. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm excited, and Cora will be back too, and we're gonna be starting some cool stuff here. And with that, I do have an announcement. Um, Steve from uh MTG Pro Shop, he's also my partner with melee, loved our Mario Bash Bros art so much that. Um, we struck a deal with the, uh, the MTG pro shop and he fronted and bought, I don't even know how many, like the first purchase was over two, like, I think a ton, a ton of packs of bash pro sleeves. So he's selling them now on the store. He's going to send us some, we'll send some to you once he sends them to me. Cool. He's just going to, he's just going to ship them to me and then I'll ship them to you. And, uh, and then uh, on top of that, uh, they're now in our our merch store. So if you want to go to mtgproshop.com slash bash hyphen bros hyphen merch, you can uh, pick up some Bash Bros sleeves now. 
Yeah, I know I'm biased because I'm a member of, sorry, a frequent special, oh, this week yeah. I'm a member, but a frequent special <laughs> guest are. of the Bachelor's Podcast. But uh, I, I think that those sleeves are just really, really cool. Like, Oh, yeah, no, the art, the art on that is awesome. So if anyone yeah. doesn't know what they are, they are uh, the two Hammer Bros. It's like when Mario confronts the Hammer Bros for the first time in, in, in Super Mario. Right. Uh, Corey and I are the Hammer Bros throwing hammers at Brian, and Brian is flipping us off, but it's all pixelated. Yeah. And it, it is really cool. It, it actually looks like us. It's shocking how the artist actually made it look like us with the, that pixelation. It, it is. It Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was really well done and i i thought the idea was cool too and yeah i don't know i i think it's i think those are great sleeves like i i'm excited if if when i play paper magic again to to bust those bad boys out oh yeah so i'll send you only a few of them right <laughs> so you're like, okay you tempering expectations i'll send you one pack of sleeves yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and then uh, another thing that i just want to highlight today before we get into our topics is um, a game called Elementa Ar- Ar- Arcanum, Ar- Ar- Arcanum, Elementa Arcanum. I'm bad at saying things. Um, the designer of this game reached out to me and thought, you know, wanted to see if I would play their game. Um, and I said yes. And Ross, Elliot, and I, um, and Sid all played this the other night. And then Amber and I played a little bit more. And Ross and I have talked about it. But so effectively, this is a a new deck builder game. And instead of using other things to do the game it's four elements plus numbers that's effectively how the game operates cards have numbers on them and an element and there's rules based on those elements and numbers and that's the deck building game so it's like way easier to learn but it's also extremely complicated like no game has played out the way i thought it would so far um like games are over earlier and then when i thought someone was going to win early the game went way longer and so um i'm kind of interested in it i think there's a lot of depth in it and they just started a kickstarter and so i'll have that link in the bio so if you're on poppy itunes spotify or stitcher you can hit that bio and check that game out and if you like deck builder games um check them out and uh maybe support their kickstarter and get some merch once they once they get the game up and running are there like draw are there like draw fours or wild cards i don't know the way no. you just des- the way you described it made it sound like uno the deck builder game shit it really is no so it's uh it's it's fire water uh and earth and air or earth and wind okay and how it works is those two are opposites fire and water and opposites earth and wind are opposites okay and you buy using every card like let's say a card is a four it also has a two on its side and what that means is if you're using a four water to buy a five water from the middle area of the deck builder game it costs two more than no you could use the four and a one water or you can use a four and a two of any other one so it only you only get half out of it if you're using it for not the elemental intended purpose okay uh and so there's that min max and then how how you get cards out of your deck is like you you opposite so if you have a two fire in your graveyard you can exile with a two water or a four of any other element okay to get it to get it removed from your deck because you always want to do deck thinning to make your deck more potent and then the same thing with attack you can attack someone with elementals you can even do like this this dual elemental attack and you attack with elementals and they block with the opposite or so effectively like if i attack you for six fire you can block it with six water or 12 of non-water elements combined i see um 
And so it takes a little bit of getting used to know which things are used for what. But once once that got revving, um, there's a few other rules, but uh, the game felt fluid. And Ross and I just both liked how it's very simple to learn because a lot of other deck builder games we've played, like um, there's it's it takes so it feels so much of a burden to learn how every single what all the cards are and how they all interact and stuff like that, where this is just numbers and elements and they just scale up. Yeah. And sometimes there's there, you know, simplicity is not a bad thing. People all like mm-hmm. try to make things super complex sometimes. And some sometimes, like, for example, the game Go is one of the most simple games imaginable and it has incredible strategy. It's just two it's just uh two different colored stones that you put on a board that you place on like on like little boxes on a board or whatever, and that's it. That's the entire game, you know. I mean, there's there's a couple of rules on on how you win and where you place them, but like it's just people putting stones on a on a thirteen by thirteen board or whatever, and it's like one of the most complicated games in you know in history and stuff. And it's it's kind of like chess in that there's like you know computers that are like, oh wow, this computer is now better than the best Go player in the world. Like, yep. So it's I don't know. I, I to me that's just really cool. It's like you don't have to have a a complicated game, a complicated in mechanics game to have a very strategic gameplay. So. Yeah, and what I love about it is one of the cool things about it and one of the deep aspects of the game that I saw that I don't think I would master right away is so you you can only have up to five cards in your hand, but there's two phases. There's attacking and buying. And so whoever goes first will attack first, then buy. And then you'll switch who goes first each round. But you if you attack first, you buy first. So let's say you're the first to buy. And you've already attacked, but you didn't attack much because you wanted your hand. I feel even if my hand's good on for buying, I feel like I have to attack you. So if you defend the cards that you're protecting to buy with, you'll have to get rid of and draw new cards. Mm, okay, that makes I see. I see how it's going. So so I could see there being a uh, kind of a tension between you could you could kind of play aggressively and try to win early or you could play for a late game and and like I guess if your opponent's probably playing for a late game you might be forced into playing aggressively if you think they'll do the late game better than you or whatever like yeah but it's also so what'll happen is round 1 player A attacks and then if there's a two player game then player B attacks and then player A buys and then player B buys and then you switch who goes first okay and then you go through another cycle of that so it's mostly just like each round like if you didn't attack me much, I should probably attack you because you're probably trying to protect your hand and you'll draw more new cards, but you want to keep those hands to buy. I and see. So, so I can say, you might just say, okay, I'll take the damage. You get a victory point. Um, just because you don't want to, you want to buy the things on the board. I see. With those cards. In your hand. Yeah. There's a lot of depth to it, but it's just at the face level. You don't have to sit there and read a bunch of cards. Cause that's honestly, if I didn't have to do the hour of learning a game, I'd play more games. An hour <laughs> or two of just reading all the cards and figuring it all out. You know, like I, I only have enough storage for a few games. Yeah, that is that is true. Like I, I really liked the the base game of Dominion. I don't know. You probably have played Dominion before, but I really like the based game of Dominion because even though there was reading and, a bunch, and cards and stuff, it, they were very simple cards. Like all of them were 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 quite uh, simple. Some of the expansions got like a little bit complex, 
Um, but yeah, this sounds like in the same vein as as Dominion in terms of strategy um, and stuff like that, except where Dominion was multiple players racing against each other. This game seems to be a little bit more interactive and in that it's competing against it's directly interfering with each other instead of just trying to race up faster than each other. Yes, yes. Yeah. So the game is called Elemental Elementa Arcana Ar- Arcanum. Man, I'm bad at that. But and we're and we're not this is not sponsored to the stream. We're just talking about it so much that they probably should sponsor us. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go take a look at their Kickstarter. Uh it seems like a cool project. Uh hopefully they they hit because it it does feel like a, a fun new variant to deck builders if people like them. But moving on, one more quick thing I want to bring up before we get to Today's main topic, which is more of a vent than a topic, but uh, it is that World Championship is in two weeks, and uh, we have to pick a champion. And so I'm going to see who who who's your champion. Uh, yeah, I've been looking through this list, and I don't know. Like there, there's a lot of there's a lot of strong choices here, and I and I feel like it's hard to say. Like. I don't know. I would like my default would be to pick Paulo just because he's been so dominant lately. But also with like how well the Japanese did a couple weeks ago, like I don't know. It's it's hard to to not want to take one of them as well. So I'm I'm kind of torn in that regard. Plus Seth. I mean, you, there's always Seth. You can never well, count that's Seth what out. I was, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, you're taking this way deeper than me. I just snapped off Seth immediately. Like I'm just going with my horse. You know? Yeah. My 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 teammate for the last five years, you're like going way too deep. I don't know if Seth has the highest equity of winning the tournament, but I definitely know he's in the top half of equity of winning the tournament. Oh, are we talk. Yeah, and, I mean, if we're talking just like oh, pick- and th- no, and that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. We got to pick our horse. I'll bur- I'll burn some money on a Seth Manfield horse. Yeah, I mean, my my horse here is is Seth as well. I would say, um, mm-hmm. but if I'm picking straight value to win the tournament. I mean, Seth is still high up there, but I don't know if he would. I would say he has the number one equity. If I was, if I was taking this back five years and power ranking these players, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it, it it's tough because there's a lot of power teams here. Like, I mean, three three of the people in this I tested with, um, and that's yeah. what that's the old system that sucked, is as people were my whole testing team fell apart because they all qualified. <laughs> I know, and i was yeah. like god damn it this fucking sucks <laughs> it's like they fell the team fell apart because everyone was too good that's really what happened yeah by the end we just had to bring on people and i didn't get to test with the people i really you know that i super wanted to you know the people that i chose at the beginning of the year and and that i was like synergizing well with and by the end i had to test with you <laughs> i know that got rough <laughs> I mean, and you even played the same deck as me in one of those tournaments oh, too it was awful or two of awful. them multiple of them yeah multiple of them i mean that that was the mistakes were made there yeah even so even looking at this world's roster like even though even beyond like you look at the top you know players or whatever it's like some of these other people who might not be like initial snap first pick type players like paulo or seth like they had really good seasons and they are definitely high quality players like uh like Arnie is that I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right yeah okay. Arnie, yep yeah Herchen Herchen that part might not be right but uh we um when he 
played rogues in that tournament. I think it was, I can't remember when that was. It was months ago or whatever. Like he played incredibly well. You know, it's like he he was mm-hmm. he piloted that deck at a very high level, and it's like, you know, I would never be surprised if any of these players. It's, there's nobody here that would be surprising to me if they won. I should say, like Matt Sperling. <laughs> I'd be shocked. Really? No, I'm just. I just. I was like Matt. Matt kind of dominated the rivals league, but yeah, that's the rivals league. Hey, we're both in the Rivals League. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So good. So good. No, I, I do think that this will be a pretty tight tournament, and I think they're doing standard and limited. So, I mean, I'll be interested in the deck list and probably not watch, but um, that's that's me. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't realize the formats. Okay, now that we got limited involved, back on the Seth train. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, though. Yeah, no, this, there's, there's draft. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's draft. It'll be an interesting one. But yeah, so now now we're actually going into our main topic because a lot of these players are drafting and starting to test. And, you know, Innistrad, Midnight Hunt just came out last week. And already I'm just hearing some frustration from these players or from other content creators online or just competitive players in general that Azika's Chariot is kind of ruining standard. And now I haven't played much and... Not yet, because my, you know, my move stuff all took up all of last week into the day the set released was the day I was unpacking for the first day, unloading into my house. And then we had 26 hours to try to get the house relatively ready for my parents. And it still wasn't like my my mom helped unpack the kitchen where, you know, we we got about 60 percent non-broken, which was good. But we had fun with it. We were like, oh, we found a non-broken one, but it was fun to do it with my mom. But like we just had to rush. So. So I've been watching Twitter a lot for my magic content, and uh, that's, um, I don't know if you know this, but that's, that's not, it's not good. It's not great. It's not great. Yeah. It's not, it's not great. No, no. Twitter as your only source of magic content is maybe the worst. Yeah, that really Twitter is my only source of magic content, but I just don't consume that. I consume it in moderation. Yeah. But I've been noticing that a lot of people are saying that Azika's Chariot is kind of ruining the format. Um, And, and that started with, a tweet from a couple days ago from Andrew Cunio that was, is this the worst standard ever? Seriously, who thought Azika's Chariot was a good idea? And the problem is that poll, it was a poll after that, but it it asked two questions. <laughs> that is the most <laughs> classic Cunio tweet imaginable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he <laughs> loves those kind of troll, like get people riled up stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. And, uh, it's obviously not the worst standard ever. Yeah, I mean, of course, I don't, not, even, of I don't course even think not. the last season standard was the worst ever. I honestly think maybe the worst in the last five years maybe came from the last season. And it was probably like with one of the previous bands, you know, we we talked about that last week a little bit, too, where it's like we uh, or was it two weeks ago? I don't I can't. My concept of time is bad, but it's like. People looked fondly, like people now look fondly back on the mono black, mono blue Sphinx's Revelation standard as being a good standard. But while playing it, it was very similar to this last year of standard. Like people hated it. The same decks were good for an entire year. Like it was despised by the community. A lot of people quit playing. A Corey said he quit playing during that time and stuff. It's like, and and now we look back on it and we're like, oh yeah, that was like that was actually a solid format and stuff. It's like that's kind of how I feel about this last year, where it's like 
it's not fun to play and people hate it and it's the same decks forever but in terms of actual gameplay it wasn't a bad format like it was no, and, and there was evolutions but there's also an eight card ban list by the end you know right that is so that yeah that 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 has a thing i mean i personally will tell you the last the the biggest reason i didn't enjoy this format was not because of the format it was because of the op structure where i had to play it literally every two week two months at the end of the season right it was always dead standard after i've done it for two months and so it was always bad and so it's frustrating to continue doing something i don't want to do whereas all the other tournaments when we played live they would happen right after new sets came out and then during those dead periods we'd play modern or you know legacy gps or or or, or modern pro you know we had a variety but now we don't have that variety I will say the last time that I thought standard was at its worst was at the peak of red black vehicles. That was a I, bad time. I honestly think that was the worst time because it was just that deck. And then a few decks that people thought beat it, but didn't. So what was that deck name? What was the last word in that deck name? Oh, vehicles. Oh, yeah. is this, is this, yeah. is this, a, is this a transition? It is. Is it a transition back to the main topic, which is, is Ezekiel's chariot hot garbage? <laughs> Ooh, should that be the title of the episode just is Azika's chariot hot garbage that is uh that's some real clickbait for sure yeah yeah i don't know so i i haven't seen these tweets so i don't really know what people are saying but i imagine there's a lot of overreaction uh Azika's chariot being the best card in the format is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because it was the most hyped card coming in as well it felt like so it naturally if this is if this is the most hyped card coming in clearly it's also very good like i'm not trying to downplay the power of the card or anything but it's like that's where people are going to be trying to build and those are the you know like people like that's where a lot of the effort is going to be coming in. it's like oh here's the best card let's make the best deck with the best card um we've seen that a lot too where something come we come into a format and everyone's like is this deck beatable and you know or whatever it's like this is this is too good and then a month later it's like that deck is no longer in existence or whatever and oftentimes the strategies associated with that deck linger on like i remember when in speaking of the vehicle standard red white dwarves was it or something was like the mm -hmm. was like really dominant that first week and everyone's like oh wow and then that deck just fell off the face of the earth but the core strategy of those creatures to, to crew smugglers copter slash heart of kieran ended up dominating the entire year so oh and there's there's tons of examples of this like um you, you've you've sparked a lot of things that i want to say so, so so props to you you're being a good host today oh hell yeah uh, new role yeah, baby so, so the first is i just remember one time we were in australia for that pro tour and we were like i was on my testing team you were on yours Mm -hmm. But I remember on our days of testing, the whole internet, like all the SCG people were like, Mono White and Bant are just so much better than everything else that it, they need to be banned. Like company has to be banned. Yep. And and all of our teams, I don't know if your team was also, did you did you guys play an Emrakul deck? We did. Yeah. And so you guys were also testing an Emrakul decks and we're all like, y'all ridiculous. Like we have anti-Emrakul Emrakul decks. You know, we're like our choices for that tournament was, do we want to make sure we beat the Bant decks? Or do we want to play the Elder Deep Fiend variant that beats the other Emrakul decks? And, you know, like we were working on two different variants of these decks. And 
once you got to the pro tour, you know, the round four, the first round of constructed, the two people that that were in the feature match both led on vessel of nascency, you know, and I bet every single person at the SCGs that have been had their pitchforks up were like, what the hell is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What is going on? And so while I agree that like one week and a bunch of hyperbolic things is not good, the devil's advocate side of me that I'm starting, like, I don't know if this is the stance I want to take because it does seem a little um, tin hat, tin hat conspiracy theory ish, but not conspiracy because I don't think anyone, maybe it is, but I don't think, that Wizards is trying to balance as much as they were before. I, I actively don't even know if they are trying to balance and or if they have enough resources to balance standard. And so I do think that a lot of the stories that we'll pull from, like our memories in the past, were on formats where they, I think, tried to balance way more. Yeah. And so we've seen in the last few years, it's like, you know, we see a card get really good and we're like, ah, cards can get beaten and then they don't get beaten and then they get banned. And you know, moving forward, it, it, it just keeps feeling like that's happening more and more where we're like, oh, these can be beaten. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, we're like, they really can't. Yeah, we I tried think- a bunch of strategies and we really can't because it's an unbalanced card because it probably it didn't have legendary creature mythic. So it couldn't be a commander. So it didn't get balanced. Yeah, I. Yeah, I don't know if, how deep to go down that hole, but I will say that uh, it does feel like competitive players and competitive balance for standard is no longer the primary driving force behind standard sets. Um, I mean, it was clear with, I I think wizards came to a conclusion within the last couple of years. I don't know how much the MPL type stuff affected it, or if that was irrelevant towards it or what the impetus was there. But basically it seems that they have come to the conclusion that competitive magic is not really an important part of their um, business. And, we saw that with organized play, all the stuff with organized play. And and I think we're I like in, in agreement with you. I think we're seeing that with with standard, too, where it's like. OK, yeah, this card isn't maybe perfectly balanced for standard. Competitively, but. Mm-hmm. Like a Seekers Chariot, it's like the person who plays casually, who wants to have a. I don't token deck or whatever is going to love that card and that and I I'm just this is just complete hypothesis or whatever but it's like you know then that's and that would weigh somewhat on why they would choose to print a card even if they believe that it might be too good and oh, I don't yeah, and I, you know I and I don't oh, know we don't actually know what what the decision making is there like these this is just all speculation but oh for sure no I mean it's definitely speculation I I mean I I've always went with. My if I had to like take a stance, I think my stance would always be that, and it has been since we worked there. Because when we worked there, I got a an eye opener, and I like, and and it and it was not the way I thought it was going to be. I was like, holy shit, these people are all extremely passionate and know, and are very informative. Yeah, like they they gave they bestowed so much knowledge on us in such a short period of time, and things that I spent thirty minutes thinking about, they could articulate why it's wrong and it's just they could regurgitate it right they just had that in that that knowledge yeah and and so i've always thought it was a resource if if there was issues with standard it's not that they're not trying to balance it it's it's just resources just the the that department just needs more resources um, or or the other the other idea too is that they what we did when we were there 
and from my understanding is that's not traditionally how they work no that they that was a special thing for modern horizons and there was a lot more time spent testing the cards and and than than they normally do like i i genuinely think that they normally don't spend that much time actually testing the cards and to me that is a mistake like i think i think that department has an identity crisis on what it's supposed to be doing and i that, I, that, that could be true and i think that play design should be a quality control department it should be here's the cards that have been designed let's test them and then say here are the things that we learned from our testing back to the designers and those designers are like here's some new cards or here's some version fixed versions of cards or whatever and then they go back to the testing process but that's not really how it works to my knowledge um i think that the play design team is way more involved in the actual design process of cards and then and that part takes a significant chunk of their time so there's less time spent actually like testing the cards themselves uh than i would think would make sense but oh and i love and yeah i mean and i mean it did kind of i think i mean i don't know i i don't know what they from my opinion on modern like i think the what we did there had a positive effect on modern maybe regavan's too good and and so is uh saga not really. I Saga's not dominating at all. It was just really popular at the beginning. I think Saga's now just a pretty cool card. Cool. I, I feel uh, like I had called that, but maybe yeah. I didn't. I think I said that on the podcast. It was like, yeah, I mean, it's early in the format. We'll see if it, it, it balances and corrects. So that's cool that yeah, it, it's it's been balanced, yeah. Elementals broke through as a competitive archetype. Um, I mean, maybe the Cascade stuff is too good, but like, yeah, maybe Charlotte's agent should have been put in the set. Mm. Uh, but for the most part like there's a there's a churn of decks going through modern and like all what what um the reanimator stuff did we thought was going to happen that that's what we predicted and we got because we got our hands on a lot of cards yeah and and so it felt good so i mean i'm hoping um and i actually do really like where the set is at and azigas chariot is an older card and it's just but that might just be it like maybe like it actually looks pretty good. Like standard looks kind of awesome right now. And I've been playing and I see some decks that are very good in some places, but are losing to other cards. And I'm just like, Oh shit, I can't really make this deck beat a dragon without bending over backwards. So maybe I have to change something. Um, and maybe it's just a vehicle problem because the, especially with a vehicle that has a, a an ability attached to it and enter the battlefield, like sky sovereign was so good because it had that. Yeah, And then it also had this, like, I can turn on whenever I want. And that's exactly what Azekas Chariot does. Azekas Chariot generates an advantage. So, and there's not a lot of ways what's like uh, Skyclave Aspirant and um, the black white instant that can destroy a multi or exile multicolor permanent. And and maybe the best Prismari command is the best at dealing with it in standard without it being crude. Everything else has to wait for a crew. And that timing is just gross. Because like if they if they crew it into your mana, that means they probably want to play something better. And if and if they don't and they don't want you to have a smart removal, they're probably just gonna play a planeswalker like Ren and Seven. So this this pinch can start on turn three and four. That's way too early for a different deck to beat these two cards. Yeah, and that that's that's the core problem. And and I think that honestly, that is the core of the problem with vehicles in general, I feel, is 
the the balancing on a power level of vehicles is is incredibly difficult um and i'm trying to think of vehicles that made it into standard play that weren't too good or i'm like, like what are, there's got to be I can, some I, I i i can only think of one which one smuggler's copter <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> it's like i get yeah i can heart of heart of heart of kieran Heart of Garen. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of a vehicle. I feel like there's been some vehicles that I've seen play that weren't oppressive. I but... think I think the I think the best vehicle of all time that saw Sander play was uh Aether Sphere Harvest or whatever. Yes. Yeah, no, that's a great example. That that's a perfect example. That was kind of the exception to the rule, I feel, with vehicles. Like that vehicle was balanced. Mm-hmm. It was very good at what it did. Honestly, vehicles are like planeswalkers, I I feel. Like Aether Sphere Harvester had a niche role as a vehicle. It was very good life gain anti-aggro card, but it wasn't a good aggressive card. Um, and and so it, it kind of played a role where it was like it or you know, it was very good in these specific scenarios, uh, but it wasn't like a card that was universally a great card. Whereas some of these other cards, these other vehicles that I've seen play are just universally great. Like even Sky Sovereign, when there wasn't like your opponent was playing a control deck with no nothing to hit with it. Well, for one, it still hit Planeswalkers, so there's almost always something to hit. But even if there's nothing to hit, it was still a five mana six five flyer that dodged board sweepers. Like that was the fail case, and that was not a bad fail case. Um, whereas Aether Sphere Harvester's fail case was it was like not you know it was just like a low power creature that doesn't really do anything. So, yeah, that's a great example of a vehicle that succeeded. But in most part, I, f- I think it's so hard for them to balance these cards because they yes. either do nothing or they do too much. And because a vehicle doesn't get hit by traditional removal, it's, it, it's so hard to balance around. It's a creature. It's like opposite that. It's like a creature that you can't kill with a removal spell. And well, like you have to really be careful with that. So that's exactly it. I was thinking about this. Like I was thinking about the next thing I was going to say, and you you kind of started it for me, which is the interaction thing. It's yeah. If they make good planeswalkers and they know planes, they think planeswalkers are going to be good in a set. They can print a, a dread bore and a hero's downfall, and then you always have this interaction that hits the thing. But how magic gets played out, like magic. Uh, you know, I I've loved this lesson I heard a long time ago. I think Paul Reitzel said it. But magic is based around two things card advantage and interaction and so this vehicle gains card advantage inherently by just making extra board pieces yeah and then it also um can dodge interaction because not every creature removal can hit an artifact that's not a creature so then you get to pick when you do things and one of the that's why teamer energy was so dominant and why i was so good with it is because all that deck was designed to do was mess with how your opponent was going to interact with you. If you think they were going to go left, you went right the next turn because all your cards were powerful powerful enough that you had enough time to do all of them. And so you're just constant and vehicles just are inherently built that way. It's like the easy mode of complicated magic. Oh, they have mana open. I don't have to crew my thing. And so, but for balancing that it's impossible because then you just have to make too good of artifact removal. Well, you can't really do that. You can't just say, colorless black destroy target creature or artifact um and so they they can't find the 
the turns that are important in standard, they, they're not going to be able to identify them because they're not going to know what decks are important because it's not enough testing. So then once we realize that, we realize that, oh, now we're in a Renin 7 pinch or a Storm the Festival pinch where they're not going to use their mana because that's an advantage vehicles have. And that means that I get to tap out for giant effects. Yeah. It's, so it, it's just impossible to balance because it's just <laughs> like you should be able to hold up your mana. They cast a creature, you kill it, untap and do your thing. You know, that's kind of how magic should operate or feels like it should. And we're try we try to break that mold, but the cards just do it for us now. And creatures. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, that's a big point there. It's like creatures that broke the mold of interaction where they were, uh, invulnerable to interaction or made it difficult to interact with them needed to come need to come with a cost like the there needs to be a cost associated with that there's no cost to playing in Azika's chariot because it provides you with upfront value and it also provides you with attacking value and i i honestly think it's if, if you took away either of those it would be a fine card um and and maybe even underpowered then it maybe would have would have and would see zero play and that's kind of the the issue with vehicles but it's like it it provides the upfront value so you if you play a Seekers chariot and your opponent does have one of the like very narrow set of removals that immediately deal with it like prismari command where they can go blow it up or whatever like you still left with at worst a wolf token which isn't bad uh, because you 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 traded one for one with your opponent there and you're left with the wolf token. But or if they kill your wolves, you're left with a chariot that can attack at any time and suddenly create like a massive board state. And so and now, and now you add the ability to give it haste. Yeah, and that's yeah, and that's also disgusting too. So yeah, now you have the ability to give it haste too. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that. Like the the extra level that it, it adds and. I think without either of those, it's okay. Like if you know that the only value that you have to worry about with chariot is it attacking you, you can play around that. Or if you know that the only value with chariot is it coming to play, coming into play, you can ignore the fact that you're going to get hit for four next turn and choose instead to do something else. But because there's so much value with both of those, it puts you in this horrible pinch where it's like, I hold up a removal for chariot and they attack me with the two wolves they got and I take four damage anyway, or I play something and because holding up removal is a losing proposition. So I decided to deploy to the board myself and then they play Ren and seven, make a thing attack, make a bit another thing. And like, I'm so far behind now I can't win. So I don't know. It, I don't, I, I just, I think that is a problem. It's honestly, vehicles are planeswalkers in that regard. It's like, it is a card type that it's difficult to interact with, that you don't interact with through the normal means of magic. And when that card type is able to generate significant advantages that are universal advantages, it, it is problematic. Um, and with Planeswalkers, they've really moved towards making Planeswalkers niche. So playing a Planeswalker does not inherently mean you're going to get a massive advantage anymore because some of those Planeswalkers just... They're, they have niche roles, and maybe that, that scenario is not set up for that Planeswalker in that moment, and you can let it sit around for a few turns. I think that's a great way to move Planeswalkers. Yes. I think they need to move vehicles that way, too. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm under the impression that they can be balanced. 
that they um, can't can't be balanced you're saying they they cannot i mean uh, i i think that they can find hits like harvester but in general i'm i'm in agreement that it's very difficult to balance that card type it's just like looking like i didn't agree with you the first time but looking back it's like you're just right besides harvester if you remove harvester i i consider every vehicle to either be unplayable and standard or one of if not the best card in the format yeah and and you could argue how much you want about like smuggler's copter heart of kieran and now Azika's chariot are could be considered the best cards in each of those formats and then and then you can also take a look at Sky Sovereign as one of the best. It might not have been the best, but it was clearly it was in multiple different decks. And, and the funny thing about Sky Sovereign is it it always fell out of favor. And then you and I both did this a lot, but we realized that yeah, we rec we recognized the trend right away. That's why we just kept it, kept it in our decks at the beginning <laughs> of the format, and it yeah. got us to the finals of a GP. Yeah, like what what would happen repeatedly was a new deck would spring up. And it would be a, some sort of synergistic deck that did really well. And it would not include Sky Sovereign because Sky Sovereign doesn't have any inherent synergies. It's just a very powerful generic card. And then as the format progressed, people realized that Sky Sovereign was the solution and answer to all their problems. And they would add in one or two copies of it, um, either main deck or sideboard or both. And it would kind of, it would end up being like, this is the card that breaks this matchup or breaks the mirror, breaks whatever. And it just kept happening time and time again with all these new decks. And yeah, we we basically identified that. And we just, every time we had a new deck, we just started with size, Sky Sovereign. We're yeah, like, well, let's well, we skip did the that phase with, where we don't have it in there. We did, I mean, we did that with your Elemental deck on week two of the new format or whatever, week two of the Grand Prix cycle. And or not elemental energy deck. And we just yeah. shoved two in the main deck of the energy deck before people really did that. Right. That and was dominant. And I zombies too, man. I I yep. I farmed people with, with zombies when it had uh with Sky Sovereign. Whew, that was uh that was a fun deck. But, but yeah, so that's pretty much uh, that's that's our main topic thing. I mean, we don't have the answer yet. I'm I'm gonna start this weekend exploring these decks. I'm gonna try to find the best ant like the, the best home for this strategy as opposed to try to fight it because I I no longer try to fight the up uh, the good fight anymore because there might not that might that side that side might just be Stannis Baratheon the entire time, right? Like just destined <laughs> to fail. Yeah. And and so like I, I'm just never gonna go with that one. I'm gonna pick the horse that's winning and try to find the best home for it and and then move on from there. Um and so I'm gonna start looking yeah. into so many different color combinations of the 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 trio that a lot of people are talking about, which is Ezekiel's Chariot, Ren and Seven, and Storm the Festival. So, if you're going to try to pick the horse that's winning, perhaps you should hitch it to a chariot. I will hitch it to a chariot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that's that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, Brian has a uh, job interview, which is exciting. Yep. That's going to go as well. And I get to go hang out with my parents. Um, I'm going to take them to Indian tonight for the first time. They've never had Indian food. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, we're going to go to Nawab. That's, Nawab is great, so hopefully they get something they enjoy. Yeah, I'm assuming, I'm hoping so. And then they head back tomorrow super early in the morning. Um, and then, Yeah, I feel like there's uh, trying to get, like, North Dakota is probably not a hotbed for Indian food. No, and there's a few 
few places, but then it's also just like, I don't know, North Dakotans don't like to try a lot of things, so they don't have a lot of variety. They have like one of everything, but like it might not be high quality, but it's also North Dakota. And Amber identified this one of the times, like halfway through our relationship when she came up for like the third time or something. She realized that the food is better in the summer than the winter. And that's why, because I always said like North Dakota, it's just the food's not that good up in Mm. North Dakota compared to everywhere else. And she's like, in the summer, it's actually really good. It's terrible in the winter. And she's like, it's just the produce. The, The produce has to be shipped so much further. It's just worse produce. And I'm like, holy crap, that 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 actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes sense too. I and like my family's or extended families from North Dakota as well. And we we generally went up in the summer to visit them. And, you know, they my grandmother, my grandparents lived on a farm. My grandfather spent his entire life at like farming and stuff. And his uh my uncle's now or was farming and now I think my uncle passed it down to my cousin who's now the doing that farm or whatever. So like if we went in the summer, it was like cool like we just shucked some corn and it's great you know like Mm -hmm. whereas i can imagine in the winter it's like and it's still that same stuff you know like oh i loved eating peas out of the pod yeah loved it so much but yeah i mean so they've been having a good time though and uh we've, we've done a few fun things so it was it was nice to see family i mean i did get to see them on the drive out here like three months ago but we finally set up this but well, what's funny is they flew in, you know, the day before our stuff. So when, when they got here, I was like, you know, it's great that you guys came, but could you guys at least give us a little time to settle in? You know, <laughs> yeah. Our house is just full of boxes. Yeah. Two months after they were supposed to be here. <laughs> That's awesome that you get to to see your family. Like I, I went and saw mine a couple of weeks ago and it was the first time I'd seen them in years. And honestly, like I needed that so bad. Yeah. And it, it like, I've been so much happier just since that trip. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was just really nice to do that. So I'm glad that you're, you guys are having that. You and Corey are getting that as well right now. Yeah. Oh no. It's, it's, it it was much needed, especially all the stress of the move stuff. And like, I keep bringing it up to the point where people are like, God, stop complaining about it. You know, I feel like that's the place that I feel like that's where I'm at with it. But just the days of stress building up, having to interact with this company, interact with other things, not knowing what's happening. It just built every day to the point where we've been exhausted all week. Like just yeah. just po- building up of stress is just like wore Amber and I out. And then she just started a new job and, you know, and she's like dealing with the move stuff. And then, then she gets calls like, can you start on Monday? And or last week they're like, can you start on Wednesday? And she's like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't. Can we start next Monday? And they're like, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. Like, that stuff eats away at you and the mental the mental drain of having to deal with that even if it's not like an active thing like you know you might be in a spot where it's like okay like i i might talk to them in two days or something and it's like i don't have to do anything in regards to this move um and and like i'll call them back in a couple of days and it's like you know the ball's no longer in my court but the stress of it all just weighing on you like that takes its toll not just mentally but also physically mm-hmm. that i don't know like i i i, I get that like that yeah it's oh, yeah, horrible I've to been, deal with but now but now we're you know let way less stress and now i just get to like start streaming again and i've got like my mic that i like hooked up i don't i don't have all the stuff set up so my voice will get better for the next episode but i didn't have time um but i'm just excited so we'll have some fun stuff we'll start we'll start the ass bros next week i'll have 
I don't even know what it's going to be like to have like five days to work before or six days to work before the next time I talk to you. Like I haven't worked six days straight in like three weeks, you know? <laughs> I thought you were going to say like six years. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, oh no, I, I was working all the time, like a ton. And now I haven't worked at all really in like three weeks. It's crazy. Yeah. You were so. grinding pretty hard uh, last year. That yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to get back to it, but yeah. Um, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, Brian, for being a very special host. You're welcome. When you told me that I was coming in to shit talk vehicles, got me rolling. Yeah. Yeah. You were excited (laughs) about the topic. And I was like, this does seem like the best topic because standard is still all over the place. I don't have a deck to show anyone. And this is just where I'm at with magic right now. Like I'm going to start playing this card a ton because I do like it, but. I am very nervous. So I do want to know what y'all think. Let us know in the Discord or let us know on Twitter uh, if you found anything that actually does beat it. Now, I mean, actually does beat it, not just the deck you like. I, I will like, say uh, I will say this, which is um, uh, kind of on a more positive note, is that, and I have no idea the viability of this card. I did see Caleb, Caleb Durward was, was doing really well with it. Um, but I and people who have been listening to the podcast for the last few weeks probably already know where I'm going with this. I love Poppet Stitcher. I, I I like want to make Poppet Stitcher awesome. Is that and, the is that the thing that shuts out decayed creatures? Yes. Interesting. And I like I just that that kind of card I just love those kinds of cards that generate token that generate advantages just by letting while you play the game. Like, you know, Hero Precinct One, Young yep. Pyromancer, those types of cards. Like those are just some of my favorite cards to play where it's like, I'm just playing magic with my opponent and this thing is sitting here generating me advantages as we play. Um, so I don't know if or whether that card will be good at all, but that is the kind of card that I want to be playing with. So I'm I'm really excited about the potentials of, of Poppet Stitching. It is also interesting that you can choose. So if you just have two copies of it, you can just have one on each. Yep. Or flip them. Oh, the flipping doesn't stack. Two two factories doesn't stack. They just make it three threes, right? They don't yeah, actually... Base, yeah, base power and toughness, three toughness, and lose all other abilities. Um, So you can either have two poppet stitchers or a poppet stitcher in a factory if you have two, or two poppet stitchers in one factory. So there's not a ton of play there, but if you have three of that card in play, I don't think you can have three of that card in play. You probably have already won. Right. The game is has long ended, but... But cool. Yeah, I'm, a, right. I'm excited for that. So that's something that's not shitting on a Zika Chariot level. But yeah, that's it for me. Oh, I, I will try that after I find and perfect the best green deck. After you find the actual good deck, you'll... Yeah, then I'll play around with that. Yeah, Stip- yeah. stipulation stream or something. But that'll be fun. But yeah, so so moving on, moving back to or moving forward. Uh Again, thank you to our cast and crew for supporting us. Um, for, for all of you on the tier for shirts, I actually sent sleeves out this time. So hopefully you're okay with that. So for anyone that doesn't know, uh, our cast and crew not only gets to work for us, but we do send some of them at, at a certain tier um, a shirt every three months. And we've made a few new designs and stuff like that. But we didn't have a new design to send out. So I just sent a few uh, enough sleeves to sleeve up two decks. Or three, I guess, but. Um, so hope you all like those sleeves and you can find it. If you want to find those sleeves, you can find it on the Bash Bros merch store that is attached to the bio or the link. So if you're on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher listening, scroll down, look through our bio, 
and you can see a, a link to our merch store. But without that, let's uh, let's kick off this cast and crew. All right, let's do it. All right, first off, we got Tassila, who is middle management. Um, oh yeah. Did 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 Tassila give themselves middle management, or did we give Tassila middle management? Tassila wanted that job, right? Yeah. So he wanted middle management job, but then he tried to switch his job because I wasn't enthusiastic enough about it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So that's oh, why. Right. That's why last weekend, this week, I've been like, "Oh hell yeah, middle management, baby, let's go." Oh so. no! What did, what did Tassila want to switch to, but couldn't get out of the middle? I don't know. I don't remember. You don't I, even I, remember. I, I blocked it from my memory. I was like, "He's middle management. We're not switching it." You know. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. All right. Uh, now we got Adam. That is BBD's personal hype man. Uh, so while I'm hyping Tassila, Adam is hyping me. It's kind of a. It's kind of the circle of life. Some say. And then I'm hyping everything, actually. I I just, I almost defaulted to, like, my woe is me, Eeyore style of life, but now everything's going way better. Nice. So, yeah, I'm hyping everything. I'm, I'll, I'll hype with you, Adam, next time. Up next, we got Brandon, who is the official BBP spokesperson scapegoat. And so what that is, for, for all of you that already know, uh, Brand, we send Brandon out to, you know, the... Uh, the Four Seasons, Hilton, or the Four Seasons. We send him out. We send him out to Manus Power Mowers. Yeah, Manus Power Mowers. Anytime that we have, you know, a statement that needs to be said, and and then we send him to court when uh, we're going to get in trouble. Right. Um, yes, Brandon does does all of our dirty work, so we don't have to. Perfect. What, what 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 was it again? It was Four Seasons, right? Yeah, so it was the Four Seasons Total Landscaping, but... That's what it is, yeah. There was a mowing company called Manus Power Mowers, and somebody, like, this took a lot of work because it was a a massive thing. They had a huge building with Manus Power Mowers on it, and and the M for Manus was probably, like, I don't know, like, 15 feet wide by 15 feet tall or something, or maybe not quite, maybe 10 by 10 or something. Yeah. And, and it was on the top of their building and somebody scaled their building and whited it out. So it just said anus power mowers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's oh, my you new. Have to send, you have to send me a picture that I have not seen that. Yeah. So that that's the new thing for me. It's like if I'm ever a politician, I'm holding all my press conferences at manis power mowers. So oh, that's so good. Yeah, you you definitely have to send that to me. All right, next up we got Steve, and that is the Bash Bros podcast Task Rabbit. So his job is to put shit together when it arrives. Oh, Steve was here. Oh, yeah, good. I was going to say, was yeah, Steve yeah, there? Steve, Steve actually showed up and helped. It was crazy. I, at first, I was like, who the hell are you? And he's like, I'm Steve. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And then Steve came in and, and helped unpack. Um, Damaged a lot of my property, though. I will be suing Steve. Good. And we will be publicly handling that through Brandon. So, yes, um, I, I just have to talk to lawyers to, you know, do due diligence to make sure there's not a conflict of interest there. You know, I think you can sue your own employees that pay you. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm, not, possibly, I'm, not, I'm not sure. It's it's sticky. It's sticky. There's also some good Samaritan laws that might have to be broken as well. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah. So, 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 so yeah, I have a, I have a talk with a lawyer tomorrow and I'll be like, there's this guy, Steve, that uh, pays me to help me. And they, 
they scratched some of my surfaces. Um, they already offered to fix them, but I would rather take their money and have someone else fix it. So yeah, we'll see if it works. It often does. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got DJ, who is the official copycat. Uh, speaking of planeswalkers, uh, I don't really know what does the copycat do again. I think DJ needs a role change because I never know how to explain the copycat. I can never uh, think of something funny to say. DJ, we need something that we can roll off with and be really funny with. I think it's the trigger's last breath behind it or something when it attacks. I don't know. Well, that that is definitely true. Ooh, man. I haven't been playing that game as much lately either. I got to get to that 4,000, though. I want to play in the tournament. I got to show you a Trophy Hunter deck that I had, or strategy or whatever, where... I, I like the math behind it is is completely foreign to me because I had a 1512 uh, friendly spirit mm -hmm. and I and I'm playing trophy hunter and stuff. And I had I had a non upgraded Baba Yaga behind it, not even an upgraded one. And I attacked with a grim soul and slayed and it died at the same time. And a bunch of triggers happened. And all of a sudden I had a uh princess that was an 11 11 just a random princess and it was over 400 power and i was yeah, like i, don't, I yeah, do I, not I understand the math here i don't either somebody did that to me and they had like a 2000 2000 and i and i didn't get it like they were level five and i didn't understand how you could have something scale like that yeah i did not understand what just happened but i also had mirror mirror going with that and oh. it it was the most disgusting thing that I've ever seen. And it, all my creatures are like 10 twos. And all of a sudden they're like 400 power. I'm just like, all oh, right. so that's what DJ does. Yes, he does. That's what he does. Perfect. All right. We got Bino Gatista. So if you were following along last week, he was chipping away at the wall of the ice facility uh, and no, hiding it. No. Yeah. Hiding it you, behind you guys, a bash for his poster. You guys. You guys wrote in that he had ice picks at the ice facility. Was that Corey's joke? That was, uh, I think that was me. <laughs> oh, and uh, he's actually broken through now and he's actually escaping it. Um, and, but sadly, the only way out is the sewage tunnel. Oh, so currently just, just got out of crawling through a bunch of sewage. Yeah, he yeah. had to crawl through a mile of the sewage tunnel uh, to get out of this facility. But he is now happily uh, en route to becoming the 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 next special guest of the Bash Bros podcast. So. Look, I I I think I'm just gonna have to say it um, because of all of my trauma from this moving company. Mm -hmm. These sound like excuses. Mm. These sound like actual fabrications. I don't believe Bino has went through this entire journey. Really, you don't think he has gone through every season of Prison Break? And also, and also the Shawshank Redemption twice. <laughs> I, I don't. I think maybe Bino's getting lazy and just re retelling us the old excuses. It is or just putting a little flair on it. It is possible, but it doesn't sound plausible to me. I, I think he I think this is what's happened. Oh, man. Well, Bino, I am so sorry that uh, you're soon going to be detained <laughs> and put in another prison. Yeah, I, it's it's unfortunate that you'll probably break some law while attempting to 
get to be the next special guest and have to break out of prison again. I mean, it sucks, but you maybe, know. maybe, maybe this time you'll help Steve out because of the, the good Samaritan laws that were broken. True. Yes. All right. Next up, we got S Rudy, who is our business analyst. Uh, and we're going to need one cause we need to start selling some sleeves and we've got a second podcast coming out here soon. So we're going to have to get into some meetings and, uh, figure out all of this stuff. So S Rudy, just uh, let us know when, Next time you're in the office and uh, and we'll get working. All right. We got Wappa and that is the Lord of Puff Puffs. And true to his name, I believe I played against Wappa in uh, one of my one of my games on Storybook. Did you so. kick his ass? I don't think so. I think I got like sixth or seventh or something. Ooh. Yeah. I don't think it was great. Ooh. Yeah, I got I got beat in a lobby with a couple streamers. Actually, I'm starting to recognize some names. I've played against Laura. Same. I I keep uh I I keep getting paired up with some of these like big name people, and every time I do, I just get destroyed. So I'm like, well, I'm yeah. definitely not on that level yet. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up, we got Adham, who is our ghost writer. Uh, every you know, good podcast and and content producer has their own ghost writer who writes everything before for them, and so we're just the the, the mouthpieces. Mm-hmm. So anything, if you have any complaint here about anything that we said, please um, go somewhere else with it. Yeah. It's not season, our fault. Season three of the Bash Bros podcast was, some might have said, during the writer's strike. So, <laughs> but. All right, we oh, got was Dave. that just when we striked from reading what the writers wrote? Probably both, I would say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. We got David Watt, who is special guest, special guest screener, had the week off. Gave, did did in fact gave david the week off david's been doing such a great job we we said you can have the week off so. yes we we are we are good bosses around here next up we got paul k all right i'm gonna have to start bringing in soda sarowski <laughs> yeah. who is bbd's wall staring photographer brian are you actually staring at many walls anymore i haven't been but i will tell you this i stared intensely at a wall uh a couple days ago so Maybe uh, maybe I'm I'm battling back to my ways. Oh, good. Well, that that comes with some good and some bad. It does. Yeah, it does. But it it does make for some wonderful photography. My girlfriend was confused because she walked out of the door of her apartment because we were going somewhere, and I was just standing facing the wall in the hallway, just staring at it. <laughs> so beautiful. Oh God. All right, Phil is our next person. And we have no idea what he does. Actual no clue. Yeah. We don't even know if Phil comes to the office. We just know that we uh we cut them a check for, for negative money each each month. And uh we hope that Phil's responsibilities are being taken care of because, you know, uh we're we're all about that we're all about that efficiency around here. That's right. That's right. Oh, it's yeah. key, our key motto. It's a it's in our business uh plan Mani- you know manifest yeah. yeah whatever it's called yeah business no, i don't even know what it is brochure it's in our business ethics business ethics yes business ethics tethics some may call it on uh next up we got sultan abasi who is our designated man of dork uh and for this week it's every fucking card that accelerates you to Zika's chariot mm. everyone is seeing play right now <laughs> i'm not kidding like Everyone's trying every way to turn through that card right now. So, so 
Solon is very busy. And not necessarily doing the Lord's work, though. Uh, no. Maybe maybe the devil's, devil's handiwork there. All right, we got Gear Meldy, and that is our merch store manager. And uh, Gear's been stepping it up because we've yeah. got uh, we've got some uh, some BBP sleeves that are fresh off the press. Hell yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, they look so beautiful too. They look so gorgeous. I can't wait. Can't wait to get them and play with them. Looking so forward to that. Next up, we got Patrick, who is our office party coordinator, and I, I am in very much need of an office party. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since I've partied hardy with a party, uh, and one's technically coming up. It's coming up at the SCG. I don't know if Patrick is coordinating that uh, in a month, and I'm still debating if I go. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm really wrestling with it. Like on one hand, it's the, an invitational in my area on the other hand i don't like being around anyone right now yeah no i feel that it's like i could go to this cool invitational that's in my hometown or i could not see people yeah and stay protected yeah that's big too that's what i mean that's what i'm saying oh yeah yeah Yeah, i'm just nervous about covid still so i don't know i don't know i haven't made a decision yet we'll see what in a month I don't know what will sway me one way or the other, but I yes. have I have made the decision that I am if I'm still waffling it, I just am going to say no. Yeah, that, I'm in the same boat, too, where it's like I want to go to a Seahawks game. I want to go to a uh, Kraken game. Some of these other games, um, you know, I want I want to go to a sporting event again. Like I just I miss doing that. But it's like. I don't know if that's like a resp- I don't know if that's a good decision or not, so. Whatever. I, I'm I up know. in the air on that stuff. But last we got Victor, and that is Brad's first place trophy holder. And honestly, I, I'm I'm happy to hear that Victor is no longer in the back of a moving truck. So no one. Also, one of the items that was broken was Victor. Yeah, emotionally. Is, yeah, emotionally that was, broken. That was to be expected. Yes. Yeah. No amount of wood glue is going to put Victor back together. Yeah, I'll, I want to make a joke there, but I'm not going to. So. All right, all right, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Bash Rose Podcast. I promise, well, I'm not going to promise this, but next week, all three of us should be on the episode, uh, and we should be revving up to start our Aspros Podcast minisodes. So for you patrons that are still listening, that probably do listen to the minisodes, uh, we are going to be changing that to an actual mini episode of things. Uh, and we will be talking about how that's all going to work. There are going to be changes to the Patreon, so be sure to check that, take a look at that. We will have those updates before the end of the month so you can make your decisions accordingly uh, going into October. And again, thank you so much for the the support. This pays for Jonathan to edit all of our stuff, so uh, you know you make this possible. Without you, we would be done. <laughs> so thank you so much. You all have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next week. Brian, thanks for everything, and good luck. Thank you. Yeah, I hope it goes well. I'm I'm very bad at interviews, so well, we'll see how it goes. But well, try to be bad, and then maybe you'll be good. Hmm. Hmm. Reverse All psychology. Right. See All right. y'all later. Later.